genre. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are drowning in Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. I'm Kestra Dorowski. Today we're joined again by Brandon from the Fandom Podcast. I'm back. Tonight, we... Tonight? Today? <laughs> spoiler, we, of the day. we record at night, listeners. <laughs> when our children are asleep. <laughs> yes. Today, we are discussing minute number 24, which begins with a huge wave pouring onto the deck of the ship, the royal ship, uh, and it's knocking several sailors down. And this minute ends with a mast that's been caught on fire, falling, about to land on Prince Eric. What's going to happen? Oh, dun dun dun. During this minute, uh, Eric tries to help control the ship. Ariel gets blown back into the water. A lightning bolt starts a fire. And uh, after the ship crashes and the sailors are thrown overboard, Eric goes back to the ship to try and rescue Max. There's Max getting into trouble. Just like we said he would. (laughs) Just Um, like all good dogs do. Who's a good boy? (laughs) (laughs) I love dogs. We do not currently have a dog, but we will get one someday. Yeah. Um, So let's, I've got, I've got some like, Big stuff. Can I t- can I talk about like a couple big things? Please do. Okay, I have done my best to try and identify what type of ship this is in like ship classifications. It's the and wooden I, kind. It, <laughs> mostly, yes, mostly wooden. Um, Except the back looks like it has a lot of glass. Yeah, um, and I don't have a definitive answer because it doesn't look exactly like any of the examples I could find on Wikipedia. But Wikipedia does have a pretty fantastic resource for trying to identify a ship based on the sail rigging structure um, and the sail plan. Like there's a lot of, I mean, I mean, dozens of like diagrams of specific sail layouts and designs. And so some things that I can tell you, this ship appears to be a two or three masted ship with square rigging primarily on the main sails. And that most likely makes it either a snow or a bark to my to my amateur investigation either a snow or a bark uh and that would put this most likely uh somewhere in the golden age of sailing which is uh into the mid 1800s that's where we've talked about this taking place most likely somewhere in the mid 1800s um and that would that would fit with this time period with this ship um sailing and and if it is a snow or a bark it can be crewed by a fairly small crew um, fairly fast and fairly versatile, useful kind of ship. Can can I ask a question? Yes. Where are they sailing to or from? They're from Glowerhaven, I believe. Are you sure they're from Glowerhaven? They they're... just talked about Glowerhaven. Well, they didn't say they were coming from Glowerhaven. Yeah, but if Grimsby stocked his intended like engagement gift on uh, on the ship, I assume that's because he like they were at Glowerhaven, and he's like, "Yep, it's going to work," and then I'm just going to take it off the ship. Okay. And and give it to him, and so I it like the implication I always assumed was that they're sailing from Glowerhaven back to Eric's place for his birthday celebration. Okay. Okay. That... Based based on oh, it's just based on the text. I mean, that works <laughs> for me. That works for me too. Um, and if we if we're saying that this is towards the late eighteen hundreds or not the late the mid eighteen hundreds, then most likely this type of ship is going to get um 
superseded by steamships. Little Mermaid is one of the Disney films that has had like the least specific location and time period by fans to determine, right? Like it's been harder to really peg it down um, because you don't have any obvious technology. You don't have a lot of obvious location markers. Or fashion. Yeah. You don't have really specific fashion um, that locks it in. And so there's a broad range. Two different eras of fashion. Eras of fashion. Yeah. Um, And then you have her like finale dress, which is very (laughs) nineties. Yeah. I was going to say that you got those shoulders that are just very late, late eighties, early nineties. So, yeah. And so you've got different stuff. um, And so it's not super specific. And so when they look at the fashion, they end up with a pretty broad range. We mostly determine Denmark because that's the little mermaid location. Um, But I'm pretty sure that's where some animators have said that it, yeah, that they thought that's where it took place or something. Um, but it's not super precise in, you know, evoking Denmark architecture or um, or aesthetics or weather or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Having hurricane uh, in the North Sea, as we talked about, not not really. Um, There's castle specifically looks like it's Mediterranean esque, yeah. not yeah, like the white plaster kind of look. It's like that's what I think of with like Greek villages on the coast. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And so you don't have a lot of specifics there. But if we go with the ship, then it's really like mid-1700s to to mid-1800s. And then steamships start to take over. And so it can't really be past the mid-1800s, more or less. Um, Steamships become more and more uh, accessible and usable um, throughout that. And so I'm going to shoot for 1830s-ish is where where I would shoot for. And I think we... Wait. Wait a second. No, I think we talked about this. I'm, I'm having a flashback from three years ago. <laughs> I'm not. Is so there please. a bust of Abraham Lincoln in Ariel's Grotto? I think there is. I think we've talked about I think about there's that. an Abraham Lincoln reference. And so it's got to be like the 1850s. Yeah. Like, maybe. Or like, this is really late for, for the golden age of sailing. And we're pushing into the 1860s and everything when Lincoln was really going. So I guess we're settling on at least it's got to be at least mid 1800s um and late 1800s would really be pushing it yeah yeah there there is definitely an abraham lincoln in ariel's grotto three so. years and i still got it <laughs> um my other big thing um aside from not being sure whether the ship is a snow or a bark i think i think it's a snow that's my best guess is, is a type of ship called a snow um, you showed me a picture and I thought it looked like a snow, but I didn't but do the, bark, the research. But so. the bark was like pretty close to. So the big difference is that a bark is three or more masts, like all square rigged. And then a snow is called a two master with square rigging on both masts. And then it has like a tail mast, which doesn't quite count. And that would be like the third one that you can see on the back of this ship. And this minute is the one where you get the best look at it. See, yeah. now um, I'm pretty sure that there's three masts on Eric's ship. Yeah, and so the with the snow, the tail mast, um, it's if it's not square rigged, it doesn't count as the full mast um, that would make it definitely a bark. But I'm pretty sure they're all square rigged. So I, I think the it's a bark. I, got, I, couldn't, I couldn't quite tell. And so I'm I'm okay if it's a bark. Yeah. But it also seems like more compact, and so it seems like it would be a snow. Okay. But right. we just need an expert, really. I'm fine if it's a bark. And I'm fine if I'm totally wrong. And it's definitely something else. Or they may have just been like drawing. And it's like, look, it's a ship. 
<laughs> probably more likely for for a Disney Animation Studio production when they they're thought about that to they go were, out of business. They thought that, that like this was their last sh- film ever. Make I mean, it they like had moved out of the animation building. Like yeah, they so, were. Have you ever compared edge. it to the Jolly Roger from Peter Pan? I have not because I wonder if it's a very similar and if they use that as references. So um, it is quite possible. Kester's going to pull up some pictures of it. Um, let me talk about my other big thing because that's going to have like less connection to possible um, other Disney properties and things like that. My other big thing was I wanted to investigate fluid dynamics and understand how turbulent the water would be beneath the ship because Ariel gets blown off the ship. And, and the ship the never water. moves. It's like it looks like it's calm yeah, and, and peaceful. She's, so when she's under there, it's like, okay, this seems pretty chill. And so I wanted to see, like, okay, where does shear force or fluid dynamics come into play and and like how turbulent would it be under the water? And I was not disappointed. This was actually a surprisingly easy internet investigation to learn some some pretty cool stuff. And so I was looking up like the fluid dynamics of of waves and then I just asked like, okay, how deep beneath, beneath waves is the water disturbed? Basically, how, how far do you go before it gets calm? And I learned something about what's called a wave base. And the wave base is essentially where it stops disturbing sediment beneath the water. How far down you have to go before it's just moving around the sand, basically. And a wave base is half of a wavelength. So however, however big your wavelength is, you can go that far beneath the surface of the waves and then you'll be feeling approximately less than 4% of the turbulence. But now, um, but now during the this scene, the ship is like up on the top of a like wave yes. that's taller so this than the ship. A, yeah, pretty not good example of it, right? So based on, <laughs> based on the other research, they have what's called fair weather wave base and storm wave base. And basic fair weather wave base is going to be anywhere from 5 to 15 meters. So that's like day at the beach. If you are 5 to 15 meters below the water, you probably won't be feeling anything, which is surprisingly far. Um, Then storm wave base is like 40 meters. So she would have to be 40 meters down. Until she gets 40 meters down, she would be basically getting turbulence in a circle. It would just be disrupting her in a a circle. That's like um, half of a football field, right? That's pretty far. Yeah, that's a, that's about, yeah, in the neighborhood of 50 yards. I mean, a meter is about a yard. So it's pretty far. Um, and she does not go 40 meters down wow. during this. And so she should be getting rocked even when she hits the water. And now I want to, like, go to a wave pool at a water park and try and, like, experience, like, go underwater and be like, okay, what does this turbulence feel like? How disruptive is it? Because that's my other question. It's like, yes, it's disruptive, but, like, but how bad? But now here, here's the question. Like she's a mermaid. And so she has lived under the water her entire life. And it sounds like she spends a lot of time up near the surface. And so maybe for her, this wave base and the turbulence there is more like just walking in a strong wind for us. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can get a little uh, blown off course a little bit, but not too bad because we're pretty used to it. Uh, yeah. That's a good and, point. And about... Uh, and when we were recording three years ago, I believe I could be wrong about us talking about this, but I believe we've talked about um, Atlantican um, uh, strength and how like they have 
pretty super strong muscles and, and strength. Well, I mean, and, you can see King Triton. Yes, yeah. you can see King Triton, and um, and and late into in tomorrow's minute with with Ariel carrying Eric, um, she just has a lot of strength. Now, I don't; it doesn't seem to hold up against the strong winds of a hurricane up at the top of a ship where she shouldn't be as a mermaid. Uh, but like going down deep into the water, it, it could um, have an effect. Well, yeah, and on. they're they're going to have all that water pressure on them too. So, I mean, they're they're going to have to be strong. Uh, and in yesterday's episode, Andrew, you talked about her sitting on the side of the ship. I mean, she doesn't have feet to help her climb up. So that was all upper body strength. Upper body. Yeah. We've talked about that before for sure. Um, when she pulls herself up. Yeah. Um, so Kestra did, uh, I think we're, we're good on the fluid dynamics and, and all of that. Kestra pulled up some stuff on the Jolly Roger. I would say that they did not really base this ship off the Jolly Roger. Um, I think, I think the, sh- the Royal ship looks a lot more like a real ship than the Jolly Roger does. All I think right. the Jolly Roger is much more like, okay, it's a fairy tale. Make it look like a boat. <laughs> um, because that one's like definitely three masted, all square rigged. And it doesn't seem to have a ton of fore and aft rigging with the triangular sails. And those triangular sails are like pretty real. Like most of the ships are going to have some form of those um, going fore and aft. And so based on, very basic Wikipedia research. I think that um, the Jolly Roger definitely looks like a bark. Um, and Eric's ship looks a little bit less like a bark. Um, but I, I definitely call them two different ships. Yeah. Okay. So, so how, so a bark what had about how many crew members uh, on it? Three or more. And so barks and snows and brigs are all like pretty advantageous because they can be crewed small. So like, in the twenties of people. Okay. All right. So, so they can be, they can be crude small and then you can have excess people or, or materials on them. All right. So here, here's, here's one of my notes from this minute then. So they all got thrown off the ship, right? During this minute. Uh, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And so, well, with the exception of like max and stuff. So they, they were thrown off first off, they were thrown off. And then within five seconds, they're inside of a dinghy. I'm so, assuming that part of the emergency prep was like some teams get the dinghies going while some teams try to like keep the ship. Okay. But then there'd be my guess, but then there's only eight people in the dinghy and that's all that we see period. So there's gotta definitely be, there's gotta be more dinghies out. I mean, we only see one where, so where is everybody else? And so I would assume that there's two to three more dinghies or it's, possible they they don't make it they don't make it and we never see a memorial for them i mean it's the glossed over disney mortality right <laughs> yeah yeah so i yeah, that's I, right. I thought that was interesting to to see like out of that entire crew like i was thinking there was going to have to be at least like 40 or 50 people manning that ship and we only see like eight survive but i think i think it'd probably be closer to the 20s i mean based on what we've like seen of the crew i'm just and like i think it's closer to 30 from what i can remember of the dancing crew yeah like we've seen plenty of people and so i've got to assume that they've got more lifeboats okay and then i so they're so they they got thrown off they okay so maybe there maybe there are other lifeboats floating around let's 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 hope that's the case and then there was one there (laughs) um that was really rocky water right like, yeah, that's pretty bad. So I, I just don't know how those dinghies are surviving when the ship's not. But I mean, that, that was something that I was like, wow, that just was very convenient for them. 
Yeah, it seems like it's calming down quite quickly, except for like the fire. It's it's one of those two minute hurricanes. <laughs> yes. That, um, that, then then yeah, there's a fire that makes the, it. The fire definitely. I mean, the fire blows up the ship, so yeah, that's I'm, definitely a big. It, in, I, I've got to blame the fire completely on Eric at that point because, you know, he said he would know like as if lightning struck, and then after that, lightning struck. So I mean, at that point, that's Eric's that's Eric's fault, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when Ariel looks at the the fire once it started after the lightnings hit the which that's a very flammable sail. Yes, that sail catches fast. I thought it was wet. Yeah. Good point. Um, it, it was probably wait. oiled. It was probably oiled. And the oil. Yeah, was, the, was, the, was there much rain in the storm alongside the lightning? Or is it just wind and lightning? I saw rain. Okay. So there is some rain. Yeah. But Brandon's probably right about the sail. Like, it's not going to hold a ton of water. So no. wet might not be the right descriptor anyway. Uh, yeah, thunderbolt but- and lightning are very, very frightening is all I know. <laughs> but when Ar- Ar- Ariel's already sung about not knowing what fire is and why it burns, but when she sees this, she looks like she's she almost looks either like she is completely frightened because she had no idea that fire could be so dangerous and scary, mm-hmm. or like she's seen fire before and she knows that it is dangerous and scary. I feel like I mean, there's like the sound and everything, so the lightning might be scaring her to some degree, but then also like, it's pretty obvious very quickly that there's something dangerous about fire because of the consumption, right? When something is disappearing in front of you because something has touched it, like that's going to create a, a stress factor. That now, would be my guess. So here's, another, not here's another thing to think about. Where does Ariel get all of her information about the surface world from Scuttle? Um, Scuttle. Yes, and possibly some books. And maybe pretty maybe, sure she can. But but you know, she might have heard like some really crazy tall tales about terrible fires that were just devastating and destroyed everything in sight. And so she may be like, she, she may be thinking about some scary ghost bedtime stories that that Scuttle was telling her. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. Scuttle doesn't really get things right, so. But she doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, when they're in the water, the statue, which floats a little bit and shouldn't. Um, I have a fact about why the statue floats. I'm glad because that was, my, that was a question I have in my notes. I'm pretty sure there's not a fact about why it is floating. I'm pretty sure. It floats because John and Ron wanted them to show. That it was sinking. That it was sinking. So they did it on purpose. <laughs> so they had to show it, hit the water, and then sink. Which I suppose there is a reasonable chance that it can hit the water and not immediately be consumed by it. It you was know, on like top if of it, plank if it, gets, it was hollow and so maybe yeah, and it, if it hits hard enough then it's going to get slowed down. Right? It, it's not going to just drop through. Because, There's like reactive force. But this one bobs. Yeah, the bobbing <laughs> I can't really I can't really go for. During a 2-minute um, hurricane, the you looked up the the turbulence, but you should have looked up the viscosity. These 2-minute two, two hurricanes yeah. turn it into like jello. Well, and, and so the, the the thing I'm like specifically thinking of, Kester and I in the last three years have started watching more YouTube videos. And there's one we watch called, uh, or, or a channel we watch called How Ridiculous. And they drop things from like a 40 meter tower. Hey, 40 meters. Um, <laughs> enough height that there wouldn't be turbulence. Um, um, 
and I think it's a 40 meter. It tower. is 40 okay. meters. Um, and they drop things into and smash things, right? Like that's what they're doing. That's their YouTube thing. But at one point they dropped something into a tub of water and it bounced the entire tub, including the object that they dropped. Like it created a really weird reaction where it landed, splashed the water, but then the water sucked the tub up off of the ground. And so that's the only thing I can think of for the statue. Like it hits and the water rushes out, rushes back in and like pushes it up a little bit. That's my argument. But my real question is, is Grimby's is Grimsby trying to save it? Well, he's not a great swimmer. It, but he shown. looks like he's swimming towards where the statue Clearly went he's down. swimming towards the statue because it can float and he needs to survive by holding on to something <laughs> that can float. But I really think he's just thinking, Man, that was so expensive. <laughs> I can't let it go. <laughs> and like and so, like, in his head, it's just me, like, like, wait, let me save it. Or maybe he thought it was actually Eric. It's such a, it's <laughs> it's such a striking likeness. He just got thrown out of a boat. Like, he's an old man. Yeah. Bad eyesight. At night. Fortunately, Eric grabs it and, and, um, and, or Eric grabs Grimsby and pulls him in. And Grimsby doesn't fight him on that. And so that we're not going to, like, belabor the joke. But in my head, that's what they're <laughs> animating is, like, Grimsby going after the statue. Also, I just want to backtrack and appreciate for a second Kestra's brilliant joke about the statue having Eric's eyes. <laughs> Thank you. Very good call forward that I was talking during. Thanks. <laughs> um, I have a, a couple of stuff that the animator that the animators used um, where Alan, Ron, and John had talked about uh, during this, this um, minute. The, there's a couple of, there's two shots of the ship with lightning in the back and um, like, it's kind of like on top of water. There's one where it's like on a huge wave. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one where it's kind of just like on a crashing wave as well, but a, lot, swell. a lot smaller. Yeah. Uh, they took this inspiration from NC Wyeth, uh, who did illustrations for the novel kidnapped by Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, so they took inspiration of that from, I'm going to pull up the picture for this. Um, okay. I, I see a shipwreck. So there's, there's a, there's a, a sailor who's been shipwrecked holding onto something in the, in the water. And then behind him is the ship just crashing on top of water. And it's a super dynamic visual to see a ship floating on top of a wave when there is air beneath that wave, right? To yes. see the to see it going over the top of that. Yeah. Like it's very striking and it really like compels you with the danger of the moment. Yes. Um and I'll post that picture in our Facebook page, Damsels, so that others mm-hmm. can can see that as well when this uh, episode drops. And then also water is hard for animators to animate. That's still true. <laughs> Um, even in Moana, you think it, it's been difficult for them? I mean, they talked about how hard it was. Like water's the t- water's like the hardest thing. It it is. Did really... you? We watched Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a yeah, lot of water can... there, and it doesn't always look awesome. No. Um, but the head special effect animator who did the water specifically, they gave credit to him in the commentary. His name is Ted 
Kiersey. Uh, and I think we should give him props for doing quite a j- great job during this two minute mm-hmm. sequence. Cause wow, this is quite it's, the sequence. It's good water. water. Yeah. Brandon, you have a dog, right? I do. Would you go back onto a burning ship to save it? No, because the dog doesn't listen to me anyway. <laughs> and so, I mean, the dog would be the first one off of the ship. Would your family members expect you to go back yeah, on the burning probably. ship? To save probably. It? I, I, I've had several dogs in my life, and I would have gone back for each one of them. Not anymore. You have kids. <laughs> you are staying with the kids if anything happens like Andrew you are not going back dog. for danger this is why it's really important to train dogs effectively so that they know what to do in emergencies well, I just right? have to say I was shocked and amazed that Max jumped and that he knew the command to jump like my, my dog is very intelligent uh, we kind of treat our dog just like it's another member of the family and uh, she's picked up all sorts of words that we just, we don't give her commands. We just say, we just talk. Right. And we say, Millie, it's time for bed. Let's go. And <laughs> she'll get up and she'll walk and, uh, and go lay down in her bed and, and that's fine. Uh, whereas, you know, I've seen some people say like dog bed now, like, it's like, no, they can understand, they can pick out words. Right. But I don't know that my dog would ever understand the word jump uh, in that context well so i was on a walk yesterday um as we're recording this it was a it was a friday um spoiler we're recording this on a saturday oh no they're learning so many secrets (laughs) um i was on a walk with our kids and this man was across the street and our kids love dogs and they pointed to the dog so obviously i was watching the dog with them and he wanted to cross the street with his dog who was on a leash, but he was not holding the, the dog's leash, the, the man. Um, and he's like, okay, I, I don't dog. know. Dog. <laughs> I don't know what the dog's name was. Uh, run. And they ran across the street with, without holding the leash. And then when they got to the curb, he said up and the dog jumped up onto the curb. <laughs> like he, he specifically told the dog what to do. So I know that there are dogs that, that can be trained to do stuff like that. And Max seems like a, a decent, Ma- good job. Max is a good dog. Max is, Max a is dog. not a particularly heroic dog in the Disney canon. He, yeah. he does not do a ton. He does a little bit. But even if he didn't know what jump was, I'm sure he, in that moment, as you can, I mean, this is for tomorrow, I, I guess, because I think they, he jumps tomorrow. At least Max- does, does he jump today or tomorrow? Tomorrow. My are notes you, are for are tomorrow. Sure? Okay, then he jumps tomorrow. <laughs> but um, I think at that moment, um, he he probably just had the instinct or kind of knew what to do. I mean, I had a dog who who got out of the gate once, and we started to go look for him, but he was on our front porch, wagging his tail against the door, making it a knocking sound, like on purpose. <laughs> yes, but that's also super abnormal, and too many people have lost dogs. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so I will I will say... The, the, the dogs, the dogs do develop relationships with their people. And like when my wife is walking my dog and my wife and there's some stranger, my dog will go get in front of my wife and like protect her and like growl. She's, she's the nicest dog in the world, but like she's very protective of my wife. Uh, on the flip side, if I am walking my dog and there's a stranger, 
my dog is hiding behind me. Uh, <laughs> because you're the alpha. Right, 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 right. And I, I'm, I'm big and I, and I protect her. And so I guess, I guess it's just like the, my dog, my dog protects my wife. And that would be her instinct where my dog follows my lead. And so in, in that aspect, I could understand Eric telling Max, get, get over here. And Max, maybe not understanding the word jump, but being like, I know that guy, that guy takes care of me. I need to get to that guy. Yeah. I, I also feel like maybe Max knows the word jump because he's been told, don't jump a lot. <laughs> Don't jump on me. Don't jump on people. Probably, I feel like that's the kind of dog that Max yeah. is. It's like, stop jumping on me. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about how quickly and amazingly Eric climbs up that He's ship? got some of that mermaid strength. Yeah. <laughs> just climbing up. Out. Like he's skipping rungs on that. Yeah. And then when he swings over the railing, he really like launches over that railing yeah. like he gets a lot of like i don't know i don't know how to describe it momentum? but yeah like his legs swing pretty high he really throws that portion of his body up like a gymnast yeah yeah um was there anything else you need to say about it or just like no, to acknowledge just, the athleticism he, he, he was he was great she that that was one of the the form, formative scenes in her youth apparently she's like ah oh, he's like a gymnast <laughs> um all right anything else does anybody have any any other thoughts on this minute i think we're good all right then that's all we have for you today, listeners. We're part of Dueling Genre, and you can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There, you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all the Dueling Genre productions. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. And our guest branding can be found at... Over at FandomPodcast.com, where we talk about all sorts of nerdy and fun things. I was going to say, I don't think we had mentioned it yet this week. Like, what is fandom about? But you gave it the the real simple pitch there. When when we were recording three years ago, <laughs> you, you had me on the fandom to as you guys were <laughs> right. recasting, recasting for, for the live action Little Mermaid. If you go back and listen to that, Kester probably talks about like, yeah, and we're going to release it sometime in this year, 2017. Yeah. And that did not happen. <laughs> That's okay. We can go back to 2017. I, I would prefer to go back to 2017. I think I think that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> the, do- the 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 birth of our first daughter. Yeah. Um, all right. Until next time, listeners. Thank you for making us part of your world. <laughs> <laughs>